Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome back to Habs Unfiltered, episode 353. I'm your host, Blaine Putvey, and I'm joined by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Hello. And our very special guest, Jamie Roberts, a.k.a. James, from Offside. Welcome to the show. What's going on, guys? I wonder what you guys want to talk about. Uh, well, you know, uh, this and that, a little bit of something, something. Uh, first of all, uh, I'd like to c- give a huge Habs Unfiltered congratulations to Leafs Nation on finally winning a playoff series. It Bravo. has been a very long time coming, but we'll uh, we'll take the honors. I mean, maybe the uh, the media and some fans didn't uh, enjoy it as much as they should have, but hey, it's better than missing the playoffs. Uh, well, I mean, if you lose the first round, that sucks. If you lose in the second round to a team that shouldn't have made the playoffs, that could be bad. But hey, you made it there. Hold on a minute, though. Hold the phone. They are now up 3-0 on the Carolina Hurricanes. So dare we say, maybe the Florida Panthers have themselves a team. And we just have, didn't see it. They have themselves a goaltender. Hey, man. Timely scoring, too. Good defense. It's not all his goalie, this- too. Does this uh, give Leafs Nation yet another excuse? Hey, we lost, but we lost to this team that went this far. I would I never say it's an excuse. When you lose, you lose. And you didn't show up and you didn't get it done. That's the end of the story. There's no other way to explain it. You can say all these injuries or you can say all these factors or the refs or whatever it is held you back from winning. But at the same time... What does Dana White always say in the UFC? Don't leave it in the ref's hands. Don't leave it in the judge's hands. Go out and handle your business yourself. The Maple Leafs simply did not do that. They had all the tools in the toolbox to do it. Superstar players, gritty players, former veterans who've won the cup in Conn Smythe's. They had a goaltender that could pretty much match up against most, I would say, in Samsonov till he got hurt. He's not a bad goalie. He's better than league mm-hmm. average. A little bit better than league average, which is what you need. You don't need a superstar, but you need someone who can stop the puck. But at the end of the day, the Maple Leafs didn't put it together. And I'll tell you this right now. The only, only excuse you'll get from me for Matthews is I think when he fought Steven Stamkos, he jammed his wrist. That one that's been bothering him for the past two years that he has surgically fixed already. And I think he really needs to have it surgically broken and reset. But I think he jammed it against Stamkos because beyond that point, he did not hit the net very much. He did not one time very much, and he did not lay down on his shot as much as he usually does. So I think that you know what he, torched. you know what he really needs. Uh, as someone who's suffered multiple injuries, he needs the dry, warm air of the desert to alleviate that pain in the joint. There won't be a team in the desert. Yeah, yeah that's what I was going to say. Where, where is he going? Vegas, Vegas? Houston, the warm, warm Houston. Actually, the, NHL, speak- the NHL won't re- relocate Arizona there, though. They've already said they want those juicy markets for the reloc- or the uh, 
the expansion. Expansion. Teams. Bring me that money. Salt Quebec Lake City. City. Do re mi. Put them in Quebec. Wouldn't that be funny? I, I'd love it. Austin Matthews in Quebec. I don't think he'll go there. <laughs> I don't think you would either, but it's still, it would be funny. Okay, you want to go to Arizona, all of a sudden they relocate to Quebec. Well, you're welcome yeah. back to Canada. Uh, speaking of uh, Matthews, and I want to bring this up because, James, you might have seen me put it on Twitter a few times. Matthews has a no-move clause July 1st. Yep. It's the last year of his contract. Mm-hmm. Rumors are he's not very happy with the club right now. Um, with Dubas's firing and the circumstance around it. That's a rumor that I'm only going to throw it out there because I've only seen it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, you saw it online. It's on the internet. It's true. <laughs> so my thought is, and I'm just going to give you my thought first, James, and I just want to get your your two cents. And mm-hmm. like my thought is, wouldn't it be better for the least? Now, they're not going to win this trade because I don't think they'll win any trade of any of the core four no. they trade. They will um, would it be better to move Matthews before July 1st, if they're going to move one of the core four, get whatever they can get for him, which will still be a significant package. It just won't be, you know, you, again, you're not going to win. Um, and that way you save yourself in case he decides at the end of next year that I'm not coming back to Toronto. I'm going, I'm following the money or I just don't want to play in Toronto's on the other side of this what we were building and I don't want to be a part of it. What is your, that's personally, I think that would be the best move for them to do. If they're going to trade a core four, if, uh, what are your thoughts on that? All right, well, let's break it down on, on two different sides. So first the trading Austin Matthews and not winning the trade side. So what do you give up in your organization? You give up a bona fide number one center that your organization has been searching for since Matt Sundin. Most organizations are craving for a number one center. And people would say, well, you have John Tavares. John Tavares is going to be a winger in the next year, if not this season coming up. Um, So that you lose right away. Who's in your organization to replace that? Absolutely no one. Anyone you get back in a trade is not going to be the guy like Austin Matthews is to fill that void. So you're not winning that trade. You're not getting anything there. Um, The other side of it for me, Brendan Shanahan, for all the heat that he took this week, I think it would be very, very weak of him not to do his due diligence of calling Austin Matthews, the guy who's the face of your franchise, your number one center, your heir apparent to captain, apparently. If you didn't pick up that phone and say, Austin, this is what we're doing. What do you feel? What do you think? Are you okay with this? Because what the easy move for the Maple Leafs have done is to allow Kyle Dubas to get a one-year extension here, just a one-year extension, And then him and Matthews get the negotiation done. They get the contract done. And then they can move on from Dubas. At that point, just shelf them. See you later. We got what we wanted. We got Matthews signed because that relationship is there. I think Brendan Shanahan already had the conversations, which has been reported that he did. He called the core four. Let them know they are coming back. Let them know they are part of the future and the plans of this team. So I believe he would have had that conversation with Austin Matthews. Hey, we're letting Kyle Dubas go. Where's your stance? What do you feel? Are you sticking around or are you going? And I really think, and we had uh, Paul Hendrick on our show last night. He thinks that Matthew signs a four or five year deal as the highest paid player in the NHL and sticks around the Maple Leafs. So, but I think those conversations have already been had. And I think they know where he stands. They won't be trading him. 
And I don't think you trade any of these guys. To be honest with you, as much as Leaf Nation wants a sacrifice right now, these guys, maybe put with the right coach and the right way of playing them, might be able to further where they go down the playoff rabbit hole. That's just so, my opinion. Uh, just to add on to that, but you have that core four, all of them, their contracts are up over the next two years. They are. They are. But and they're all going to want raises, every single one of them. John Tavares is not going to want to raise. Come on. Well, okay, not John. Okay. You'll, you'll say money. Nylander, Marner, and Matthews are all going to want big raises. But here, here's the great thing about that, Trash, is the fact that the National Hockey League finally will be opening up those coffers for the cap to be able to actually go up some numbers here in the next few seasons. And it will happen. Everybody can huffle puff, but it's going up a million this year. There actually was a mechanism in place for them to be able to negotiate it up to $3.5 million for it to go up this year. But the NHLPA did not want to give up anything to be able to get that extra money for teams to be going that way. So now, now we sit and wait and see what it is. But at the same time, you're going to tell me that you wouldn't want to sign an Austin Matthews or William Nylander who looks like he's finally coming into his own as a player. Like not just this guy who shows up like Alexei Kovalev when he wants to. He kind of showing up more this year and grew his 200-foot game. And Mitch Marner in for the Selkie. Penalty kills, good defensive forward to go with his offensive numbers. I think this team needs just to figure out how to fill around these guys. And with the cap going up a little bit, it might help. I don't know. But I, I, I don't give say, up on them. I'm not saying I don't want to sign them. What I'm saying <laughs> is if you do sign them for these huge contracts, you're back to square one of what you were when you signed them in the first place and that you have no money to put those people in around them. Because I think Toronto's biggest issue is they don't have the grit guys in the top six. I they think don't, that's their biggest issue when they hit the playoffs. Who do they go and get? I mean, Ryan O'Reilly was, again, I love Ryan O'Reilly. I love what he brought to the lease for the little time he was here, but his foot speed was not there. He's not the Ryan O'Reilly. He's not the Gronk that he was a few years ago. Let's be honest. It was exciting to have his name value. Now a guy like Nola Chari fired up for that, loved what he brought. That guy brought the hits. That guy could score a couple timely goals. But he didn't back down from anybody. Block shots. That's what the Leafs need. Those kind of guys. Tyler Bertuzzi, maybe a name you go snag. Tom you know? Wilson. Tom. Well, I mean, even Tom Wilson, though, he's starting to get up there in age. But you're going to be. Top, he's still a top six gritty guy as of right now. Yeah, but you're you're going to go in the same conundrum because he's going to command a huge contract. So you're going to give him what between seven and nine million dollars in his next deal because he's Tom Wilson because he's one of those unicorns who plays that way. And then all of a sudden you got him on the backside of 30, making just say eight and a half million dollars mm. and no longer can be the, the physical deterrent that he was when he started the contract with the Leafs. He, I, I, I get it. And I know what the Leafs need. I, I'm not disagreeing with you, but at the same time, I mean, you got to get to the dance too through the regular season. And these guys definitely not to get you to that point. I just don't know what you fill in. Maybe Matthew Nyes is a piece that does that. Can be a physical guy who can play in your your second line. I'm not saying first line because everybody anoints him on that first line. I think let him be on the second or third line and get his feet wet and get going. Same with Robertson. But I don't know. I do agree with you. They need the grit. But how do you move on from guys that score that many points? There's not very many Huberto Uyghur for to chuck trades out there. No, I, no. I totally agree. And Oh, sorry, Blaine. You, you, you wouldn't want to say something. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about all these guys saying they're not first liners, not first liners. But to Treg's point, they only need to be second liners. They only need to be capable of a top six. You don't need them to. 
Like you look at uh, Arturi Lekanen, for instance. When he was with Montreal, he worked his way up and down the lineup. He's doing the same in Colorado. You you can't say that he is a first liner, but he can play on that line, and then he can fill in on the third line and the second yep. line, and he provides a style of hockey that complements their better players, and that's what's missing. Now, Nyes, he could possibly do that. Uh, Robertson, uh, he's it's a Robertson. He's yeah, a thirty-year-old rookie. Yeah, he seems like he's been here forever. <laughs> just can never say, "Oh, yeah, no, he's yeah." He's a guy. Like, yeah, all- he's a guy for me that I wouldn't care if he went out the door, even all the hype and circumstance around him. But depending on the price, clearly you'd want to keep him. And, and that brings me to my other point: the salary cap. I know that people are banking on the salary cap going up soon, but we can't assume that. You cannot plan your your cap situation four years down the road when we're not even sure what next year's is going to be like right now there's no certainty because of the pandemic and they're trying to catch up and the the problem with escrow so this is going to take two to three years before it clears up then i can see it starting to rise a little bit more but if i'm if i'm the least gm that's coming in i would be very very wary of adding big money players i'd be looking for guys to fill in as character players like treg mentioned well, I think that's what the Leafs have been trying to do, to be honest with you, and I don't think they get the right mix. You look at a guy like David Camp, that's a guy they tried to hit on, and I think they did for a certain extent. He's great on the penalty killer, great as a fourth-line face-off guy, third-line face-off guy in a pinch. Look at Callie Arncroke, scores you 20 goals, can do what you just said about playing up and down the lineup. The physical aspect, no, is not there, but he played on the first, second, third, fourth line. He could play anywhere. He's a Swiss Army knife. They tried that with Kerfoot. That was trying to put a what square peg in a round hole. That guy could do the penalty kill in the defensive aspect pretty well. When it came to offense, it was not there. And he's not a guy that I'm going to be sad to see go. Sorry to anybody who likes Kerfoot, which I haven't ran into too many folks that like him at his dollar value. Now, at the same time, if Kerfoot was making a million dollars or a million five, nobody says a word about him. Everybody would be fine with that. But at three and a half million dollars, in a cap crunch world, that's a big ticket for a guy who should be able to do some things on your second or third line. And he just, he didn't, but I get what you guys are saying, but where do you find these guys? And even if you give up a Marner or a Nylander and you trade for one of these guys and you go and get, just say Tom Wilson, say Washington's like, you know what? We'll do Tom Wilson, a pick and something. Give us Willie Nylander. You can play along with Ovechkin and Backstrom and tear it up for a little while, uh, but you can have Tom Wilson. Okay, but now you've lost 40 goals out of your lineup, and who's replacing the 40 goals? Now you have a nice piece that goes with Matthews and Marner, but the, your second line is now weaker. Your third line, by proxy, is now weaker, and your fourth line, well, our, Toronto's fourth line is always non-existent anyways. But do you really need that 40-goal score? You already have a team that's going to get you to the playoffs with Marner, Matthews, and Tavares. Do you really need that extra 40 goal score? I see what you're saying. Like, no one wants to lose 40 goals. No, but at the same time, I think I think if you look at the Leafs, the way that they're structured, it's if one of them go down. So there's four of them that really can put the puck in the net and do different things. Tavares, for all the hate that he gets, which I do not understand, he's a point-per-game player. I don't get it. There's not very many point-per-game players in the league. I think there's, like, what, maybe 20 a year, 2025, 20, something like that. So, but anyways, one of those guys go down and you have a fill-in. Marner gets hurt, 
Nylander moves up. Matthews gets hurt. Tavares has moved up. You you've got a plug and play already there. And I know a lot of organizations do it with the younger players or try to elevate somebody into a role. But right now you have your own safety blankets by having those four. Again, like you guys have already said, if you make those trades, you don't win them. You won't win them. But yeah. maybe you maybe you add a defenseman and a forward that makes it worth it. And it works out. But Calgary said, hey, we added a defenseman and a forward, and they didn't even make the playoffs. I, I think that was more on coaching coaching too. I think oh. you had Sutter. I think you had Sutter putting Huberto in a box that he doesn't play in. Um Babcock syndrome. I think, uh, and I think this debate brings up the good question about Toronto is you're absolutely right. We have all these star players. You're not going to win any trade if you get rid of them. Uh, you don't want to lose them for nothing. So if you don't trade them, you have to sign them for at least four to five years. But then you're also like, but if we sign them, it's going to restrict what we can do with the rest of the team. Um, I get and it. Then when, Go ahead. And then when do you call it quits? So when do you say, listen, this isn't working? It's already been what five years? Yeah. You know what I mean? It was eighteen <laughs> years for Ovi. Yeah, yeah, but you know no. what I'm saying? Like five years, like but the same Washington's a little bit different than Toronto. Washington can go eighteen years and no one gives a shit. Yeah, no, I understand the pressure packed <laughs> media market. It's it's that right. thing. Trust me, yeah. it's the reason why we're sitting here talking about it, right? And there's jerseys on my wall because it's the same thing. Same thing with the Montreal yeah. Canadiens. They feed the air to the league really it doesn't yeah, matter yeah. what anyone says these two teams along with maybe new york and probably boston really pump up the national hockey league and i mean maybe more markets are starting to grow but i don't mm. really think so the money is where it is but i look at it and say you know there's so many people that have watched this game for so long and i talk about paul hendricks we talked to him last night but you look at other guys like don cherry and other big pundits around this, even Patrick Waugh's weighed in on this now, you know, that it would be foolish to break up these four guys because it's not like they got blown out this year by the Florida Panthers. Each game was not a blow. The first game, they lost by two goals in the Panther series, but it was one was an empty net. Every other game was close, much like Carolina is right now. So it's not like your doors were blowing off and your team was exposed somehow it just they didn't score two goals over the one goal that Florida scored. You know, I don't I don't know, man. I I I sit here every year and I think, okay, so if you blow it up, so you send somebody away, then what? What is your team next year? What does it look like? How does it feel? And I sit there and I think of all the years the Leafs missed the playoffs and all of the things that I wished my team had. They now have it. They have a number one center, a bona fide right winger, a bona fide Second line center that could be a number one center on most NHL teams, you know. But you need no. the guys around it. It just, it just, it, as a Leaf fan, it just stresses you out because you can't figure out why they can't get over that that hill and just go to the goddamn cup. Because Montreal did it to them, assholes. <laughs> and we went, we went to the cup. We didn't win it, but we, at least we at listen. Least you got to there. the dance. That's more than my son. It was, it was right there. We saw it. It was carried around. Um, but this brings me to, uh, to another question on, on the Leafs. You're talking about losing goals. Is it really worth an extra 20? Because you're talking about moving a guy that scores 40 for other players who can come in and probably score 20. Is it worth an extra 20 goals to keep the core four? 
or add one or two players, like say Columbus is willing to give up, uh, I don't know, uh, say a a Boone Jenner and uh, say Cole Sillinger and whatever else they add to the package for one of the core four. And you add that grit and that you're missing in that top six that could help you in the playoffs. Is it how just, is that 20 goals worth that much? Or is the new GM in your opinion, whoever it might be, Bruce Ray, uh, will he, would they give up those 20 goals? I don't know. Is he any smart manager would tell you they'd want to come in and get the lay of the land. Right. And you're asking a guy to come in with what? Five weeks? They haven't even named him yet. So we're we're hypothetically saying there's five weeks for this new GM to come in, get buddy-buddy kosher with everything that's going on, and make these massive decisions before July 1st because all four of those players have no move, no trades kick in at the same time. So it's it he's in a rock and a hard place. So either you come in as a GM and say, guess what? We're going to make a splash, and I'm going to make my name. This is going to be my rubber stamp. My first move is sending one of these guys out and this is what we're doing. Or you say, well, Brandon Shanahan already told me the Cole four is coming back. So I have to deal with it. And I really think that Kyle Dubas wanted to move one of these guys this off season. I do. And there's been rumors of all the things that were blocked that Dubas wanted to do. So this may be another one of those things where he was like, yeah, we're going to move one of these guys. And we're going to do a Florida thing because he mentioned in his presser on the Monday that that was something that did catch his eye, something to think about. And Brandon Shanahan, not even four days later, made it known to the media because it got out that he told the Cole four that they were coming back. All four of them were coming back. So whoever assumes the general manager role, it does not matter, I guess, because Daddy Shanny is the guy pulling the strings anyway. So, it's so it's why, what it is. So why bother getting a GM? Why doesn't yeah. Shanahan why, just why, say, I'm going to wear I two I wish hats. I knew. I asked the same question last night. I do not understand it. You basically just have a guy there with a, a title who stands in front of the camera more than the president does. But you look at the chain of command, okay? We all know how fast some trades have to be done. In Toronto, the GM has to go to Shanahan. Shanahan has to go to Larry Tannenbaum. Larry Tannenbaum has to go to the board the board then has to approve it back to Tannenbaum, back to Shanahan, back to the GM to get a trade done. Tell me how long that takes because that board doesn't convene at 1231 on a Saturday afternoon when a deal is being talked about. No, they all have to get together. Do we really want to move uh, William Nylander right now? He moves uh, this much jersey sales and really is a guy that we market around. You know what? Uh, you know, Tell Larry that we're not doing it. Larry tells Shani, Shani tells Doobie, and it's not happening. So, I so mean, basically, that's a, so what you're saying is get rid of the board and maybe you'll have a good hockey team. Well, you <laughs> know what, what, what Kyle Dubas wanted to do and what he said he wanted to do is he didn't want to cut Shanahan out, but he wanted to streamline the process because yeah. he felt it was too much interference and taking too long, which I, you know what, if you're hiring me to do a job, if you're hiring me to be the general manager and make player transactions, then let me do my job. Don't interfere with it. If it's something as big as an Austin Matthews moving on, okay, then we have a conversation. But if that's it's usually, that's usually how most teams do it. Most teams are like the usually. GM and the vice president of a hockey ops do their thing, 
They say, we traded this guy, this guy, this guy. Oh, like, I'll go to Montreal. Oh, by the way, Molson, we might trade Carey Price. This team really wants him. This is, how do you feel about that? Are you okay with that? And he either says, you know what? It's your guys' team. I just want to win a fucking cup, right? Roger out. Well, that's why the NHL has long liked single entity owners of hockey teams because it's one person, not a board, not a conglomerate, not any of these big things that are happening like the Ottawa Senators. It's just shitty for the least because it's six degrees of separation for one trade. It's ridiculous. So basically what you're saying is the board is the living embodiment of Harold Ballard. Don't even go down. I don't think they're that bad. (laughs) They're not turning the goddamn heat up and canceling the water fountains. Sounds like the Treasury Board. <laughs> listen, gave I gave you guys it, a pay raise. Yeah. Listen, listen. Here you go. Here's some money. <laughs> Shut up. Basically, uh, and you know what? Kyle Dubas basically said he wanted it streamlined. He wanted more money. And basically, what I think for him was, if you weren't going to streamline it, then you're going to pay me more money to put up with the bullshit. Because that's what he basically was saying. If you don't want to pay me, or if you don't want to let me have autonomy of the team, then let me have more money to deal with the headaches that you guys create every day. So here's my next question. Going to Kyle Dubas. Now, there's Kyle people who love Kyle Dubas and think he's the greatest thing that ever happened to the Maple Leafs. There's other people who don't think Kyle Dubas... There are other people that don't think Kyle Dubas is all that great at all. But now that we hear Shanahan was pulling all these strings, how many of these deals were actually Dubas? That's the thing you'll never know. And that's you know the what thing I mean? Like, that's the was thing he a great GM or was he not a great GM? Or was he just the puppet on the camera going, look what I did? <laughs> that's basically, like I said, you're going to have to wait and see wherever he lands next. Yeah. But I mean, his resume when he was a Sioux and all those other things that he has done, he has done some things on his own accord. So, I mean, we can give him credit where credit's due on some things, but you'll never know the full full gist of it. And maybe that's why they moved on from Lou Lamorello because he probably wanted control. And Shani had enough respect for him to say, listen, if you're not going to listen to me, then you got to go somewhere else. Same thing with Mark Hunter. Maybe it wasn't that Kyle Dubas was the uh, unanimous choice because we all know Colorado was knocking on that door many years ago to get him to go there. Maybe uh, Mark Hunter just said, hey, Shani, I'm not dealing with that. Deuce, I'm going to London. I own the team. I'll do it my way, which is what I want to do. And isn't it funny now his name's back in the mix, right? So so as Shanahan, he just basically goes, hi, puppet GM. Why don't you make the trade for me? I want cover so I can fire your ass because you spoke to the media. Yeah, see, I, I, that was I a just, horrible thing. Yeah, that was horrible. I, I just think the whole situation, like the way you put it down, and I mean, I knew – Toronto wasn't a this didn't work the same as most other NHL teams when it came or to any trades and moves. Um, but why would it like the way I look at it now is why would anyone want a GM like Patrick Waugh will never work in Toronto that's for sure. Um, but why would you want to GM that team? Literally, you're just saying this is what I want to do, and then you got to wait for twelve people to tell you yes or no. Well, I think that's why um, it was such a like a tur- whatever, whatever word you want to use, turbulent ride with uh, Brian Burke when he was here. Because he said that he had full autonomy, and he did. He didn't care. He made moves. And a lot of those moves blew up in the least face. So that board said, you know what? We're not doing that again. 
they watched two first round picks and a second go out for Phil Kessel and it turned into Dougie Hamilton and Tyler Sagan and Jared Knight and they didn't like the way that felt, especially missing the playoffs all those years with that guy on the team. And then Dion Phaneuf, that deal as well, blew up in their face, right? Another guy that didn't get them much further either. So now, I don't know if they're gun shy, but if you're anybody who's applying for that job, unless you're some greenhorn, which Channy already said he's not dealing with, then you go in there and you say, listen, it's my choice or I'm not taking the job. And that may be the problem they run into here. And if you find out that... uh and I'm not crapping on anybody's name, but Tolsky or any of these uh, newer kind of first-timer GMs who have been an AGM with a team for a while uh, get the job, or even Pridham, for that matter. We'll touch on that in a minute. But they may be the guys that just by proxy get the job because they will yes-man it. And the last yes-man organization that I focused on was the Philadelphia Flyers. And how good have they done? Just saying. They've been amazing at drafting too. I mean, look at the uh, pick of Cam York. Oh wait, don't no, uh, help Montreal. Never mind. <laughs> Listen, I just um, for me the one thing that I look at a lot of people talking about that may be a big uh, kind of fu to the media and stuff like that is uh, you keep Sheldon Keith, Spencer Carberry, the whole staff on the Maple Leafs, and Brandon Pridham becomes the GM who knows everything, has been a part of all these things. Um, is really good with the cap and everything kind of stays the same. You know, the boat doesn't really get rocked at that point. Dubas is the only guy out. You're rehiring the Marley staff for whatever reason. I don't understand, but hey, go ahead, do your thing. It's your HL team. You want to change it up, change it up. But if that's the way that it goes, then you know Shanahan and Pridham will basically, it'll be Shanahan walking with Pridham with his hand in his pocket, you know, like the prison yard. You know, everything that Shanahan does, Pridham will be right there just to basically either be the mouthpiece or whatever it is. But that may be the FU that comes around here. And I say it like that because everybody's expecting all of these heads to fall and, you know, this stuff to happen. What if nothing does? What if nothing does? And they fill it in with pretty players like you guys are talking about. They find a way somehow, some way. And then the Leafs just go and do the damn thing next year in 24. Could happen. Who do you think would be a decent GM? I mean, we're t- they're talking about all these different names, Treliving, Bergevin. Uh, there's actually been some whacked out website saying Hoyle should be the GM, even though he's retired. Like, there's there's who, lots who of different think- names. Guys, honestly, if it's going to be anyone, it's, it's either Brandon Pridham or Brad Treliving at this point. Because if it isn't either one of those two, I think Leaf Station revolts even more than they have been. You know, because basically... We're here for that. Yeah, you guys would certainly would be. I know a lot of Habs fans who tag me in a lot of stuff on TikTok. Hello, Web Devil. What's going on? Firing up the uh, the masses over there on the side for the Montreal Canadiens. But I look at Bradshaw living and say, okay, he's been in that situation in Calgary where he's had to deal with certain people and kind of, you know do things that maybe he wouldn't do all the time on his own accord for moves. And he understands that dichotomy and how it breaks down. Uh, And I think he would fit in Toronto. He can handle a Canadian market. So he would know how to deal with the media and all that stuff. I know Toronto and Montreal, completely different beasts than Calgary, but still it's Canadian media. You, you get to see, I think if you're a part of a Canadian team, you get to see all of the Canadian teams and how they're covered 
when you're here because all that media is available to you when you're in the States, you don't see it as much because you don't have those channels available to you 24 seven. But I think true living freedom, um, there was Mike Gillis thrown out there. I mean, it's going to be someone that Shanty can buddy, buddy up with. And I think true living fits that bill really well. And it's funny that Calgary allowed permission for true living once the Toronto Maple Leaf job came available, which is kind of weird. The other ones too, and I'm going to say them, and if they come within a country mile, I will not cheer for this team anymore. I'll give up my fanhood. Done. If they get Quinville and Bowman or one of the two, I'm done. I'll done. I will jump ship and be over with it. I won't cheer. I will cheer for stories and no longer a team because you can't, you can't go morally bankrupt because you want to win a Stanley Cup. Just can't. Well, there's always a, a nice, shiny, red, white, and blue ship right next door. <laughs> I'll tell you one GM who knows how to get players that get you through the playoffs, and that's Mark Bergevin. <laughs> Listen, true. you never know. You never know, right? Hey, wouldn't it be here? Let's get another guy in there. Let's let's throw it back to the old days. When the guy used to wear both hats, the GM and the head coach. And, uh, you know, we all loved, loved Pat Quinn. So why not just bring in St. Patrick and have Patrick Waugh run both hats behind okay. the bench and GM? Have some fun. Because Patrick Waugh wants to have a full uh, control over everything. And if he doesn't, he won't do it. Let him do it. There you go. Here you go. You can be the coach and the GM. Here's your Here's your thing. Only thing we want from you is if you decide to trade Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner, we want a phone call. That's I don't, it. You know what? I don't think Patrick Wall would do a bad job as a GM or a coach, to be honest with you. I but I think, think for him, do. I think he'd be the perfect, like, Pat Quinn back in the day where he yeah. could do both at the same time. No problem. Stand, maybe not stand there with a stogie in his mouth while he's talking to reporters. But, <laughs> he does like a stogie. You know, he, he definitely would stand in front of the room and not let reporters in there till the players were ready. Yeah. With that much there and just just as a, an aside with Orwa, um he doesn't even allow blue gatorade on his bench so uh, it's kind of a stretch listen i don't know man i mean i look at uh look at all these different flavors now for what is it bio steel or bio freeze <laughs> or whatever so i mean anything blue they, not allowed listen I'm, I'm sure they could just change the color no problem if ken dryden can work for toronto patrick Waugh can work for toronto Listen, I, I'm excited. Whatever whatever it is. Listen, so many people are doom and gloom about the Leafs right now. Again, it's the offseason. This is the exciting part. They're going to do this, do that, do this, do that, and then get a whole summer of stuff to talk about. So at least it's not going to be boring. They're either going to blow it up or they're not. One or the other. <laughs> you know what? Just in true Leaf fashion, because they leaf up everything, watch them just not do anything with these guys. And just watch them all sail off into the sunset. <laughs> or or they just do a road construction instead of a blow up. <laughs> and it just bottlenecks everything. It ruins but, the whole friggin' flow. And all honestly, in the next two years, that's could perfectly happen to Toronto. They don't do nothing. They try to win their cup. And if they don't get it, and then all of a sudden Austin Matthews is like, well, uh freaking Nashville offered me sixteen million dollars. Yeah, well, that's one thing too, See you guys. Later. I'm going to say this about everyone, whether it's Cole Caulfield, Austin Matthews, whatever, next young guy, Connor Bedard, same thing. All of these guys coming in now, I think you're going to see more of the NBA-style structure for contracts for them. 
No one. I don't think you're going to see superstars sign long deals anymore. Eight years. No. I don't think so because these guys are going to want to maximize their earning window every single time. And Austin Matthews may just be the first guy to kind of do that. Stress out the fan base, but stick around. A la LeBron James. No, I'm opted out, but don't worry, I'm back. But I'm getting more money now. But I can see Austin Matthews doing that. Signs a five-year deal. Now he can sign another monster deal. Sign a four-year deal. You're 30. Sign another monster deal. You maximized your yeah. earning window, and you got more money in your pocket than you would have anyway. And we'll segue. Does, oh, go ahead. But before we do, if he does do that, will he hold a special on ESPN to tell us where he's going to take his talents to? I think will he'll he go you know, that I, far. I think he would. I think if Austin Matthews, listen, let's just put some some big hypotheticals out there. If the Leafs win a Stanley Cup in Austin Matthews' next contract with the Maple Leafs, just saying that he signed one, when he turns 29-30 and goes to sign that big deal, I could see him doing that. Because by then, he would be the absolute bar far none greatest Maple Leaf to ever wear the sweater with the trophies, the accolades. If he got a cup, that's another one in the bank. I could see him doing it, Blaine. I could see him sitting there and going, you know what? I'm going to take my my talents to whatever European Miami. team decides to join the NHL. You know. Now, Treg, you were going to segue to something even into more fun. The Cole Caulfield contract. So here is my theory on what's happening. Hughes wants a long-term contract at a certain amount of money. Caulfield wants a short-term contract at a certain amount of money. And I think that's where the, I think Caulfield wants short-term, medium-sized money. You know, I'll take seven, seven and a half for five years. Take me to my UFA. And they want, we're going to give you eight, eight and a half for eight years. And Caulfield's saying, I make more money if I go five years at seven and a half. Really, in theory. And I, I, I think that's the situation that we're in right now with, um, I don't think Cole wants to leave Montreal. I just think he wants to get the uh, short-term payday. It's no, I, it's it's what I said. It's like the NBA contracts, right? It's like yeah. these guys are seeing those players do that and maximize their earning window. I mean, again, these players are going to start being more of a business for the name on the back than the logo on the front when it comes to these contracts. And now when they play for the team, they play for the team. And they'll do whatever they can to win. Of course, we know that, et cetera. But when it comes to the business side of it, these guys are going to start doing that. And it's going to be like Caulfield. I think he is going to stick to his guns and get a smaller term deal and get his seven, seven and a half million, maybe even eight. And for four or five years, whatever walks him to UFA, I haven't looked at that mm-hmm. part of it for him, but whatever walks him to UFA, and then he'll sign that bigger deal on that side again, probably with Montreal again, guys. I'm not saying he's leaving, but these guys are not dumb anymore. They want to make the most money they can. And how do you do that? You set yourself up with those windows to be able to get more money when the cap goes up. When does the cap go up? Even though we're all talking about it, maybe going up. These guys are banking these contracts on the fact that the cap will go up X amount of dollars so they can have a higher percentage point of the cap when their contract is up. And that's just what it's going to be for a lot of these younger guys. And I'm surprised it took this long for these guys to start doing this, to be honest. anything to say no i mean (laughs) no the uh the number for the the price uh price point makes sense i figure he's between seven and eight based on 
Jack Hughes and uh, Matt Boldy somewhere in there. Cause that's his, that's his draft class. Those are his former teammates. That's the age group. Uh, but I don't know if he's holding out to make it a shorter term. It, to me, it sounds more like that he and the team are trying to hammer out uh, bonuses or if he's going to get paid, you know, all in bonuses versus salary, that kind of stuff. I think it's the minutia of the deal that's causing the slowdown and the fact that the Canadians are probably looking to get rid of some more money before they yeah. sign him. I can, I can very well see that. I mean, right now, Montreal kind of controls the hammer anyways with him. So kind in a of, sense, sorta? well, I mean, I mean, you can, it's the, it's a Nylander conundrum, right? Either you're going to pay him or he's going to sit one or the other, right? Or an offer sheet comes in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle Dubas swings from Pittsburgh. Wouldn't be surprised. Like, you know, I, listen, I think he's going to come. I think Kyle Dubas is going to come after the Maple Leafs as soon as he can. Whatever team he lands with, I do. I think he's coming out swinging. But as far as Cole Caulfield, I think it'll get done. I think he'll get done just before, the, like Mitch Marner did, just before the season starts, he'll be at training camp and away he goes. I'm expecting somewhere between the draft and July 1. Let's hope. Because nothing worse than a whole summer. Like, we went through it with Nylander and Marner here. And it was nothing worse than every day looking for any scrap of a story of what it might be. And it just so happened to be some kid at Canada's Wonderland who stuck a phone in Marner's face a week before he signed and caught him off guard coming off a ride. And said, hey, are you going to sign with the Maple Leafs? And he goes, yeah, it's done. And he realized what he said. It was just a short clip. But that made his round on social media like wildfire. And everybody was calmed after that because a week later, Mitch Marner was at camp. So he, he, sp- he spoke to the media and he didn't get fired? <laughs> he didn't speak to the media. He spoke to a kid with a cell phone who caught him that's off guard. That's all the media is now anyway. That was a small person journalist for ESPN. <laughs> well, listen, I'm so sorry if I offended anybody out there right now under 5-1. Did not mean to go there or call you a child. Yeah, you Trank, have rights. Sorry. <laughs> you have rights and you are respected in this round. <laughs> It's all right. Punch him in the ankle. I'm just pissing everybody off. I pissed Henny off last night. Now I'm going to piss small people off too. Sorry. Yeah, if you're not pissing someone off, if you're not pissing someone off, you're not doing your job. That's the way I look at it. Listen, I know I'm on a a show here in the Maritime, so I got to put this guy up here and just say, Tyler, we love you, buddy. Yes. All the stuff, all the stuff that went on with him. Very, uh, very happy to get to know him over this season. So I know we all know who he is. So. Just want to give him a little shout out, man, because obviously he's awesome. And I wish more hockey fans were like him and his mom, just awesome people to deal with wherever they go and wherever they travel. And that should be for anything. Like you guys are Habs fans. We all joke around and have fun, but it's never personal. And when shit goes sideways in anybody's life, everybody's there to check into. So I think uh, above all, to being a good person is not a hard thing to do, folks. For some, it is. Some, it's impossible. Now, I had the good fortune of meeting Tyler and his mother while covering the, the Mooseheads this year. And I you couldn't ask for nicer people. And nope. except for one thing, Tyler, I'm really upset you didn't share the Joe Louie with me. Oh, Tyler Bogart and the Joe Louis. Bogarted it. Oh, man. How do you do that? Come on now. Blaine's a and, treasure. And teased me and teased me with these. I'll go Joe Louie. 
<laughs> I love him, man. He's awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's a good kid. Yeah, absolutely awesome. It's going to be, listen, for this, this offseason, for you guys, for the Maple Leafs, for a lot of Canadian markets with Ottawa being sold, you know, there's all kinds of juicy stories to talk about and things to look forward to this summer. It sucks that our teams are not in the mix for the big shiny cup right now, but hopefully they figure it out this year. And maybe you see one, two Montreal, Toronto in the Atlantic division. Maybe. Now, before, before we end it all, I have a question that I haven't vetted with you guys yet. I wanted to spring it on you guys and get a hot take. The Leafs own a late first round pick. Are they going to use it or are they going to trade it for a player who can actually finish a check? Late, uh, Trez, you go first because I already know what they're doing with the pick. So, uh, knowing the Leafs and the way they are and what they're trying to do, and a new GM is going to want to make a splash, I say they trade it. I say they, I say they're going to trade it to try to get that gritty guy for the top six. Uh, the fill-in for Michael, I can't seem to stop complaining about everything bunting. Um, not, sure, him up off the ice. not sure if him or Stutzel are the biggest divers in the league. No offense there, uh, James, but you Listen, can't really hey, deny hey, this. You won't, uh, uh, you won't <laughs> get a complaint from me on that one. Um, I, I'm sorry, but bunting really disgusted me this year. Like I thought he was a, a terrible, terrible player. Sorry, anyone who's a Bunting fan, I'm not knocking the guy, but I just feel this year with his contract looming, I think he tried to take everything a little bit more extra, just to show more extra of what he can be and what he can do, and it really backfired on him. I'm a big proponent of do what got you to the dance, yeah. and what got him to the dance and in a lot of people's uh, minds last year was the player he was last year, where he stuck up for his teammates, he hit people. He did have penalties taken against him, but you know at the same time he wasn't barking at the refs if something didn't go his way. He took his lumps and kept it moving a lot last year. This past season, not so much, not at all. I I think maybe the fact that he was playing with Matthews and uh, and and Marner and racking up the points, and then when you take them away from him, he's not the same offensive player. Mm-hmm. And I think that anyway, off to, off subject, but yes. Uh, I okay. think they trade the pick, and I think they trade it for someone that's going to make a difference in their top six. So their here's what they're going to do with the pick. And we all know this is going to happen because they've already done it, and they're going to do it again. There's a guy named Matt Murray who's got a big price tag. They're going to want to free up that cap space, so they're going to attach that first-round pick and send his ass out of town. That's what they're going to do. That is what they're going to do, and they'll use that money to sign a gritty guy like we're just talking about because maybe you might be able to pull a little bit more money in Get a Tyler Bertuzzi uh, for six million dollars because now you have four point seven five that Murray was taken up, and another guy that you have to factor into here, guys. So that's what they're gonna do with the pick. Here's my my roundabout way of at least having more cap space too. I love Jake Muzzin. I don't think anybody here can't say you don't like the physical player that he is. He's a he's a Gronk, and we all hate the fact that a guy like Shea Weber, same thing. His body just can't handle the rigors of the NHL anymore. It sucks but he's still under contract. He's not retired and he's going to be an LTIR guy, but you have to wait for that first day of the season to slap his ass on there. So maybe the new GM is a little savvy and has a couple contracts tucked away for when that $5 million hits the thing. 
It's one way uh, to do it. I think he goes to Arizona with Carey Price because they seem to collect all the LTIR guys. So, uh, I mean, their their LTR team it's actually one of the best teams in the league if they were all oh healthy. God, they got the legends <laughs> like Datsuk over there. Holy smoke. Hosa. Yeah, man. Uh, Just go down the list. If you actually Weber. put that team on the ice, Pronger was there. Weber. Yeah. Wild, man. Throw Wild Price and Muzzin there. Telling you, stacked, man. Stacked. Clayton Keller's dad wouldn't be complaining then. Clayton Keller, does he move in the offseason or no? I say yes. Yes. I say his dad's account was hacked. He didn't say that. Someone hacked his account, made two posts, and then somehow Twitter gave him back the account to say that he was hacked within a day. It's totally plausible. He's good buddies with Elon, so he got done really quick. Who is it? It's tight, tight, tight with the bird master. <laughs> what a what a horseshit reason. Oh my god. Just make make something else up that's actually believable. Or you know what? Here's the best thing. Say nothing. Just leave it where it was and don't make yourself you just made it look like you really said it, and now you're trying to cover it up. We can smell the rubber on your back pedal, brother. Stop. You're done. Just, just like I tell, just, just, just tell, like I tell my young sailors. Yeah. Or like I tell my young sailors, when you're going out drinking, turn your phone off so you're not texting or tweeting while you're drunk. Or just say the truth. Arizona is a crap organization that can't even get its own rink and should not be in the NHL. End of conversation. Listen, <laughs> when, when you go to have a meeting and you are the commissioner of the National Hockey League and you go to Tempe a few months ago and in the parking spots they have vote no where your car is supposed to be parked and the other people who are building this rink they chalked up vote no over the entire parking lot that's not a good sign ladies and gentlemen that should be your sign right there to pull out a dodge and figure it out and by the way quebec has a, an nhl ready rink just give them the goddamn team don't worry about the alignment you're about to have two more Western Conference teams come in with Houston, whoever you want. Houston, Atlanta, like, apparently. Everybody's getting a team now. Atlanta. Like, How many chances is Atlanta going to get? Uh, it's it's going to be built in a different spot this time. This should be called the Atlanta Flaming Thrashers. No, the Atlanta Thirds. The Atlanta Third the Chance. The Peaches. The Peaches. The Atlantic third strikes or Atlanta third strikes. This is a strike out here. You're never getting another one. But she's, yeah, that can't get a second sniff. And Atlanta's on its third. Come on. It'll just move to Quebec later because that's that's what Atlanta does. It just moves to Canada after it doesn't work out. No, just bring it out east. We'll just (laughs) build a rink in the middle of all the maritime provinces and call it the whatever the Maritimes, the Maritimers, the Maritime Mariners. No, can't go to the Mariners. I do something else. The the can't Maritime, the, the Maritime Confederation Bridge, Picto Landing Ferry, Citadel um, Hills. Citadel Bring Hills. back the Citadels. Bring back the Citadels. There That's you what go. We're do. Yes, yes. That and that jersey was freaking awesome. You know what you call them? The Maritime Navy. Done. No, no, we want it to work. Listen, I just thought it'd be great, you know, just, you know, 
sail that want, ship up here and away we go they're going to want to get raises and that doesn't happen in the in the navy no. so <laughs> All right. So before we get fired, um, I'm going to give you guys a chance for some final thoughts before we cut this short. Uh, all right. So Treg, I'll start with you. Final thoughts. Uh, I'm glad people are enjoying the show. It's always good to have uh, someone like James on uh, from our arch rivals, the Toronto Maple Leafs, even though I'm not a Leaf hater. Everyone thinks I am, but I'm not. Um, and it's just, you know, keep listening to the show. Keep watching when we're on YouTube that I don't think anyone watches, but uh, you know uh, we may not get all the biggest guests, but we get guests that, you know, know what they're talking about, love the sport and give out their passion and, uh, and, and how they feel. Fair shake, fair shake. I've Stay got prayers, nothing. Eat your so... That's it. Yeah. Okay, brother. Uh, all right. Uh, I've got none. So Jamie, give us your final thoughts. Nah, you know what? Listen, uh, for Leaf fans, it wasn't the greatest end of the season. Perhaps fans, you know, you guys are waiting for Caulfield, you're waiting for things. It's going to be a fun summer. So enjoy the summer. Go out, touch grass, do fun things. Hockey will be there, ready for you in September when training camp opens. But just go enjoy things, be kind to one another, have fun. Um, yeah, man, just watch offside and watch Habs Unfiltered all summer long. On repeat, make sure you pump up everybody's numbers. And uh, make sure you follow Blaine, Trej, Matt, and uh, follow Offside because we're we're about to join uh, the Hockey Podcast Network, so that's going to be fun. Wow. And Matthews that's will be traded on July first. Just run <laughs> He can't be traded on July first unless he says I said, so. I said by July first. Oh, by oh, July first. All right. Yeah. It's going to be eleven fifty nine on June thirtieth. Austin <laughs> Matthews to the Arizona Coyotes for a proper locker stall. <laughs> and a seventh round pick matthews buys his own <laughs> arena and builds it hey all right boys yeah. let's go <laughs> listen i brought myself here with my money let's go do something so uh i just want to echo treg's words thank you guys for listening thank you for tuning in uh again thank you for all the emails that you've been sending uh with suggestions with requests this is why over the last few ser- uh, episodes we've had guests in from other franchises to provide a little bit of a view of what they're doing, what their direction is. And we can see how it impacts the Canadians in some ways. Now, in this case, it's the Leafs. So we just wanted someone to crap on for an entire episode. And Jamie was happy enough to provide that, uh, that toilet seat. So listen, I'm, I'm wearing a Doug Gilmore shirt. You can't hurt me too much. Yeah. Protected by Doug. Montreal Canadians. Great. That's it. See, I wore the right gear to cover both bases. So again, I want to, I want to thank everyone for listening. And remember if you're talking about it, so are we. The podcast super friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from branch out programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Do, did, 
Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.